Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Murder Club. Hi, hi. Hello, Lauren. Hi, hi. How are you? I'm good. My name's Carol and I'm your host for today. And I'm with my fellow host. Lauren, hello. Hello, sorry. <laughs> no, I got eager, didn't I? And jumped in. That's <laughs> all right. Oh, so, um, so, yeah, today we are covering the case of Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, the Milwaukee monster. Oh, the Milwaukee cannibal. Mm, yeah, so... So how you been this this week, mate? Anyway, so yeah. jumping in, no, you're being right. Matt Eager and you. <laughs> no, I ain't been bad this week. How about you? All right, just we're just complaining about our cold. It's oh, in the last couple of days. I'm frozen on the spot, Kes. Oh, no. It's plugged, so cold. I plugged the heater in down in this podcast studio, but it's not warmed up yet. Me and you both feel the cold. How are we mm. going to get through this winter? Just talking a lot of hot air. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Sorry about the dad. Jokes. I like it, but I'm bumsh. Let's do it. <laughs> My hot chocolate's going cold oh. by the minute. Oh dear me! I'm not. I don't like this freezing this at all. No, I can't deal. Where I work, people love a bit of aircon. Oh no, that's the worst. Because oh. you're sitting down all day, you're not moving about. It must be Thank freezing. You. Thank you. That's exactly exactly how I feel. Yeah. So even if I put layers on, which I do, my hands are still freezing. Have and you got my little nose. old girl vests? I've got uh, little got roses on them. <laughs> I just have like normal vest tops that you get just from Primark and then my normal clothing and then I have to wear fleece. For your birthday, I'm going to treat you to a little old girl vest and knickers. <laughs> some thermals. Yeah, some thermals. Yeah, I'll have that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just hate wearing a fleece, Lauren. It's such a I crime know. against fashion. It is. Every single part of me but is you've like, you've got a decent oh. fleece. It's, it's just a work one. Uh, what about your checkered one? Oh, yeah, I could wear that, but I don't think I'd be allowed to uh, wear that at work. I have to wear the work one, and it's like, oh, you know, know. you just think, oh, mate, I'm not camping. I've, when I've I was... got a nice outfit on under this horrible, <laughs> bloody, extra-large fleece. When I was working out the old docks, um, I had a few fleeces, and I know mm. it's a crime, but my God, were they warm. Yeah, they are warm. I they even... do warm you up. <laughs> when like... I used to ride my bike, they give me an Ivy's coat and trousers. <laughs> oh, oh they, really? They were filthy, but mm. they were filthy. Fucking warm, they were the oh, best. I bet they make that noise when you walk. Yeah, they do. They do. Proper shell suit, high vis. What orange? I look like a big man. No, yellow. <laughs> yellow. <laughs> I was oh. a big man, but I was warm. Well, that's I was it. warm. We'll get. Perhaps we'll just treat ourselves to a pair of them each. Yeah, below. And that'll get us through the winter. We're always struggling what to wear, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Let's do it, eh? Don't. Yeah, let's. I'm up for it. <laughs> 
So, anyway, this week's case, Jeffrey Dahmer, the man on everybody's lips because of the Netflix documentary that just came out. I know. Coincidence? Maybe. We wanted to cover a big case, didn't we? Yeah. I know. I can't believe that we picked him and then it's just dropped everywhere. Mm, It's good luck, isn't it? I know. That's that. Yeah. So anyway, so like we always tend to do, Lauren, you fancy doing a deep dive on his background, his early life, so you yeah. come up with um, any indication of what was to come and yeah. all that sort of thing. So what did you come up with, babe? Well, hold on to your hats because it's going to be a long ride, not a fast ride. <laughs> so he was born in May, to, uh, 21st of May, 1960, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I was Scared about pronouncing that one, so I looked at you straight away. Oh, I struggled with that word, Milwaukee. Uh, no, Wisconsin. Look, oh. I, I get a bit tongue tied. No, no, you say that perfectly. Oh, okay. That's because I'm from there, really. Are you part Cherokee? Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know what that means. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I think Milwaukee is like a native yes, Indian word, it is. isn't it? And that's why I struggle to say it because ah. I don't speak any native Indian. We can learn. Yeah. We'll get to our lingo. We'll be laughing. <laughs> yeah. So. He wasn't known to be abused as a child, but and he was the first of two boys, but they were born seven years apart. To a Lionel Dharma, and he was a research chemist, and Joyce, a teletype machine instructor. While pregnant, she took pills to help with seizures that she th- had, but um, which might affected Jeffrey's development in the womb. She had depression and had held Jeffrey's dad's attention when he was at home. And he described himself as a happy, healthy toddler until the age of four. And at the age of four, he had surgery on his head to treat a double hernia. On his head? On his head. Yeah. So this is what seems to spark a change in him. Mm. He also claims around this age, he was sexually abused by a neighbour. The surgery had an impact on his demeanour and his mood completely changed. As he grew, he became withdrawn and detached. Joyce had attempted a suicide and spent most of the days in bed. Most think she was a hypochondriac and an attention seeker, both from her husband and her neighbours. So mm. she wanted all the attention on her, didn't want it on the boy, yeah. oh, Jeffrey at the minute, because David's not born yet. Mm. But yeah, so she took a lot of the attention away from the kids. So yeah. he was quite, yeah. A bit neglected yeah, for yeah. Um, emotional, yeah. in an emotional way. There were loads of uh, tension and arguments during his childhood and they both worked very long hours and the boys were often home alone. One teacher said she detected early signs of abandonment in him and that seemed like four or five. Mm. That's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. So he did perform well at school at this age and he was in a small friendship group. In 1966, they moved to Dulles Ohio David was born this year. Mm. So this is the seven years, so Jeffrey's now seven. Jeffrey was very jealous of his younger brother, David, and said he was the golden child, and he also took away from the um, the attention. So now he's feeling it on all sides, from his mum to his brother. And I think he just wanted his dad's attention a bit mm. too much, you know? So Lionel left lots of chemicals around the home, what with his job. And this intrigued Jeffrey and his interest grow, as well as seeing his dad remove animal bows from under the home, like under, you know, Americans have like crawl space under yeah. the house. Yeah. So Jeffrey was said to love the noise they made of the bones banging together and he was fascinated by it. 
He was only about six, seven years old and he called the bones fiddlesticks. This led to Geoffrey biking around town looking for roadkill. Mm. So that's quite unusual for six years old as well. Yeah. Isn't it? Going around looking for roadkill and dead animals. People that look for roadkill are fucking weird anyway, mm. aren't they? But yeah. I suppose, I think maybe like in America they have a bit of a hunting culture. So it's different to over there, isn't it? They do hunt animals yeah. and they're used to like fishing and hunting yeah. and skinning them and all that kind of thing. We don't really do that here, do we? But no. It might be a bit more normal out there, but I don't. it's not normal for a child. No, not at, at six years old. No. So um, they move again, but st- they stay in Ohio. <laughs> and this house was perfect for Dharma. Mm. It was surrounded by woods, and there was a little cupboard within these woods, cabin, where Jeffrey stored the roadkill and dead animals he had found. And in the centre of this little cabin, he had a shrine with a dead dog skull placed on a st- stake. Really? Yeah, filth. That's a bit of a... What do you call it? Foreshadowing? Yeah, it is. It really is. So he was around eight years old now, and at nine years old, he asked his father what would happen to the KFC bones they were eating if he left it in bleach. Hmm. So his dad decided to show him. And Dharma absolutely loved this bit of attention and a bit of family-son time. Bit of father-son bonding. Yeah, because he doesn't get it. Mm. He doesn't get it, does he? The mum's got the attention or the brother. So, um, yeah, he actually thrives on this. And I think this is where he picks up his interest in, well, you'll see, but... In the biology. Yeah. So, so he's getting more and more into the chemicals and bones and using this knowledge in this cabin in the woods. So he continued to do it so until his teens. So he's done it from about six years old right the way up until his teens. And he'd show off his work to his friends. So that's a bit weird. Imagine me and you going and you go, oh, look at this cabin in the woods. Look at all my bones. It's a bit weird. Just a bit. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like come round and play with my Barbies or play with my I've got some fiddlesticks. Well, we called them fizzle, fiddlesticks. <laughs> I'd think that was a game. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't you? He does sound like a bit of an oddball. Yeah. So at this time, though... At school, he was showing a different personality in a type. He played tennis and he wrote in the school newspaper mm. and he was even a class clown. Mm. But he only had a small group of friends and people often said, oh, he's, uh, you're going to pull a dharma. So when he was acting up in school, mm. that was known as pulling a dharma. All right. Yeah. So at this point, his mum was taking more and more pills, including sleeping tablets, um, and he was just getting so hostile at home. The rowing was continuous between his mum and dad. Mm. He started to um, begin drinking. Yeah. But not only just drinking, he was drinking at school. He'd take it in a hip flask and just mm. chug it. That's and serious he called alcohol it, addiction, isn't it? I mean, it is. Child at school. Yeah, and he called it his medicine. So if any kid asked him what he was drinking, it was his medicine. Mm. So his dad and mum decided to call it a day and his drinking got a lot worse. Um, they separated but got back together on and off quite a lot. But oh. it was so volatile, this relationship. So mm. this was when he first started to, to separate from the family, the dad. Yeah. This is when his drinking got worse. So in 1976-77, even though he had a high IQ, his grades were really suffering. And he was really questioning his sexuality. 
So at what, the age of like 15, 16, yeah. 17 is when he's starting to really fall apart the scenes. Yeah. yeah. And what made him question his sexuality was he saw a man running past his house and started fantasising about him, but not about a normal fantasy, what me and you would have. He fantasised about knocking him out and de- defiling him while he was unconscious. Yeah. He goes on to attempt this. So he hides with a baseball bat, but the man who's running didn't show up. So he had a lucky escape. He, he may never know who he was. No. Like, as a victim, he won't yeah. know that Jeffrey was waiting on him. But thank fuck he didn't show up. God, dear I man. know. What on earth was he going to do with that baseball bat? I know. Like, in broad daylight, when just a little on the jogger. Well, yeah, he just wanted to knock him unconscious and rape him, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at 16, he started a homosexual relationship. But it wasn't... They didn't have sex. Mm. They might have had other things, but it wasn't sexual and it didn't last. And around this point sometime, they actually separated the mum and dad and Joyce moved into herself, sorry, and David into a motel. Mm. And Jeffrey graduated in 1978 and a mere three weeks after, he goes on to kill his first victim. Mm-hmm. So a hitchhiker, Stephen Mark Hicks, he was 18 and Dharma offered to take him back to the family house to have a drink. Dharma says he was sexually attracted to Stephen and when he brought up girls, Jeffrey knew his advances would be rejected. And when Stephen wanted to leave, Jeffrey hit Stephen with a 10 pound t- dumbbell mm. around the head twice. Mm. That's a fucking big dumbbell. Yeah. Isn't it? I don't know what that is in kilos because dumbbells are in kilos over here, aren't they? It did say it. Kilos? I want to. Oh, no, it was two point. Like four kilos? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like 2.2 pounds to the kilo. So, whatever yeah. it is, it done the trick, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, so, while Stephen. he was. I know. So, while Stephen was laying there, Jeffrey started to strangle him to death with the bar of the dumbbell. Hmm. He then proceeded to masturbate over Stephen's naked dead body and the next day dissected Stephen's body and buried Stephen in his garden. Mm. A few weeks later, he took he dug him up, took the flesh from the bones and wrapped the flesh in bin bags to dispose of it. But as he was going to dispose of it, he got stopped by police for drink driving. However, they let him go. Um... But he was so worried that he got he nearly got caught. So when he got in, he dissolved the flesh in acid and threw it down the toilet and crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and threw them into the woods behind the home. Oh, that poor guy. That poor, poor guy. There's, there's no remains. There, there's no closure for that family. They can't mm. bury him, can they? Yeah, I know. It's, it's- yeah. It's really sad. It is really sad. So when Dad, uh, when his dad got wind of Jeffrey's drinking, he made him go to uni, but he got kicked out after one term. And his dad's gone absolutely ballistic at this point. And then they made him enlist into the military, which led him to be stationed in Germany for a time. And apparently there's some sort of um, sexual abuse in the military, a few of his roommates. But then he was... Um, Due to excessive drinking, he was discharged. While back home, he was arrested for drink, drunk and disorderly conduct, hoping his grandmother would be a good influence on him. His parents sent him to live with her in Milwaukee. And he was arrested again for flashing in a park and fined $50. He was then arrested again in 1986 for masturba- uh, masturbating in front of two boys. And he told the police he was just having a wee. 
there's two completely different things there, isn't it? Mm. From just having a wee to doing that. So, yeah, um, he was sentenced to one year probation and he had to undergo counselling for that. Yeah. But I think it's too little in the day for that, don't you? Yeah, I suppose... I don't know, I suppose it's his word against them, isn't it? He's mm-hmm. saying he was just urinating. The boys are saying he was masturbating. Well, what happens when we say about flusher? It always leads to this. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so over to you, Kaz. Yeah, so what does that bring us up to? 1981, 1982? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's, he's in the army for a couple of years. Yeah. He's honourably discharged and he spends a bit of time in Miami after the army. Mm-hmm. He works in a sandwich shop, um, but they sacked him because he was always getting drunk still. So he's clearly still got this massive yeah. alcohol problem. And when he come back to Wisconsin, his dad and his uh, stepmom Sherry they tried to set up appointments for him for his like their counselling and stuff mm-hmm. his alcoholism. But he just keeps avoiding going. He doesn't seem to show any inclination of wanting to stop drinking, mm-hmm. even though his dad is giving him his full support. Sounds to me like his dad. Knew there was massive problems with Jeffrey and did everything he could to help him. Yeah, I'm sure he thought putting him in the army would straighten him out. Yeah, because when that's he, what he wanted, didn't they? Yeah, his um his job in the army was a medic, mm-hmm. and so um I should imagine he would have been pleased with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that's a, a bit of a career path there, isn't it? A, a trained army medic, it's yeah, a good role, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, after two years, he was discharged because he couldn't stop drinking, and by then he's only 21. Yeah. I mean, but it sounds like he was already an alcoholic when he was still oh, in high school. Exactly, way so, before. Yeah, when. he's been addicted to alcohol for about four or five years by yeah. now, even at the age of 21. He's uh, self medicating a lot. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was quite common back then because it you couldn't really be gay back then, could you openly be gay? No. So I should imagine that he was in quite a lot of distress mm-hmm. trying to self medicate with the, the huge amounts of alcohol that he was drinking. Plus, obviously, his mum and dad were going through a divorce. Um, yeah, so August 82, he goes and lives with his grandmother and uh, she thought religion would cure him of his alcoholism and of his homosexuality. Mm-hmm. So she was always encouraging him to go to church and to pray to God. Uh, during this point, he got a job as a, a blood drawer at a blood bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, uh, yeah, so it was around this time that he was arrested for dropping his trousers at that fair. At the, um, oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. It's 1986, so we're moving up to 1986. He deliberately exposed himself while urinating in front of kids at the Milwaukee State Fair. Some sources said that he was masturbating. He got a $50 fine because he said he was really sorry. So, yeah, a bit of a slap on the wrist, like you say. Yeah, nothing, is it? I think during during this period, he was was quite involved in the gay community and he was kind of... I would say practicing for mm-hmm. what was to come. So he would pick up men and drug them and then abuse them while they were knocked out. His goal was to find a partner that would not leave him. Mm-hmm. During this time, he was trying all sorts of different things. It seems like he was trying everything except killing. Yeah. So he used to scan the obituaries and try digging up a couple of recently deceased mm. people. But he couldn't manage to dig them up. Um, he stole a... A, manic- a mannequin from a shop because again it looks like a human but obviously it's inanimate yeah and that's what he wanted he wanted an inanimate person that mm-hmm. could not leave him that couldn't say no mm-hmm. it was completely within his control and he did quite like this mannequin he used to sit with it 
Um, his gran found it and she questioned him and he just said, oh, he, he was drunk and he stole it. <laughs> oh, no. Um, he's in Ohio at this point and apparently it's quite a quite a, a heavily populated gay area mm-hmm. where he was and he used to frequent all of the gay bars. But he did, after a while, he gained a reputation in that community for drugging people and then sexually assaulting them. Um, the gay community didn't bother to tell the police because they knew they knew the police wouldn't care. They would just beat up and oh. so yeah. Even though these men are one after the other after the other are getting drugged and raped, Jesus Christ! No one actually went to the police about it. They just sort of dealt with it in their own way. So he was kind of blacklisted from the bars and okay. the bath. They call them bath houses. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what bath house is, but I should imagine it's a bit like what they call massage parlor over here. Yeah, perhaps where you can like. Just go for a bit of private time with somebody. But yeah, so he was blacklisted. And um, at one point, he actually put somebody in hospital because he gave them too much of the sleeping draft. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so during this nine-year gap, he was practising. That's what he said. He was practising. Um, we come up to uh, the 15th of September 1987 and mm-hmm. Stephen Toomey. Stephen Toomey is a 24-year-old man that he meets after his restaurant shift. Yeah. I think uh, Stephen worked in a restaurant. Um, so, yeah, he meets him. Uh, Jeff Jeffrey meets him and chats him up and stuff and invites him back to the Ambassador Hotel where he's hired a room for the night. Obviously, he can't really bring um, men back to his grand's house no. and he's blacklisted from, you know, mm-hmm. the bathhouses. So he's paid for one night at the Ambassador Hotel and Stephen comes back with him. And um, he wakes up the next day to find that Stephen, he's beaten Stephen to death with his bare hands. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so um, I listened to this. Today, actually, um, Jeffrey Dahmer did a television interview in mm-hmm. 1993, I think, about a year before he died. And he mentions this. He said, Stephen, to me, was an accident. He doesn't remember doing it. So um, he said he said he just woke up and his rib cage was all, like, pushed in where he had broken his ribs. And oh, his hands me. were all, like, bruised and battered where he literally just beating him to death. But he didn't mean to do it. He don't remember doing it at all. He's um, got a lot of mental health issues, this guy. He's just so pissed, isn't he? And mm. probably on drugs as well. But he stayed... So he paid for another night at the hotel. He bought a massive suitcase, put Stephen in the suitcase and took the body back to his grand's house. So while his grand was at church, he pulls him in and pops him into the basement. And then he uh, spends the next few hours removing the arms and the head mm. and the flesh. He wraps the bones in sheets and smashes them and he triple lines bin bags and puts the flesh in the bin bags he keeps the head and he wraps it in a blanket and then he boils it in bleach and he keeps the head to masturbate to um after a while i think he's probably like boiled it and bleached it too much and it becomes too brittle so he disposes of the head as well um but yeah this is the first time that he's starting to do that yeah i mean it's only i suppose it's only his second victim yeah i think the first victim uh, that was Stephen as mm-hmm. well, wasn't it? He um, he just wanted to get rid of the body. There yeah. was no no indication of trophies or anything no. at that point. But this second one, he wants to Where keep the pins, head. Yeah. yeah, the rest of it he just wants to just dispose yeah. of. I think as usual. Yeah. 
So, yes, that was the 15th of September, 1987. And then I think that brings it up to you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, so in Jan 1988, a Jeffrey Dahmer comes in contact with a James Doxter. Yeah, Doxter. Doxter, a 14-year-old Native American sex worker. And he was outside a gay bar in Wisconsin and he lured James into his grandmother's house on a pretense of a $50 photo shoot. So we hear this quite a lot, doesn't he? Seems to be his MO. Yeah. So they've gone into the grandmother's house, down into the basement, where he proceeds, Dharma, to strangle him to death. Mm. And put him, put, leaves his body in the basement. Jeffrey then dismembers James's body and disposes the remains in the trash. Any remains of him, of Jamie, had never found, Cass. Oh, really? Never found. Oh. But, um, yeah, poor little boy. 14. 14. Oh, no. Child, isn't he? 14 years old. So that's January 88. 88, yeah. yeah. So um, then we go on to an Anthony Sears. Oh, I've got Richard Guerrero. Oh, that's you, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm jumping in, sorry. <laughs> We're doing like one or two each, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, 24th of March, 88, so it's only a couple of months later. Mm-hmm. He meets 25-year-old Richard Guerrero. Um, he invites him back to his grand's house, again, um, offering money in exchange for nude photographs. Mm-hmm. And the couple, the pair of them, they have sex, and then he drugs him and uh, strangles Richard and then uses the same disposal method that he's used before. Oh. And at this point, his grand starts questioning him about the smell coming from the basement. 
because you think right so for instance like one day I've cooked a chicken for dinner and it's been the day after the bean men have come and I've put the chicken carcass in the bin mm-hmm. within four or five days that reeks yeah. and it's a chicken yeah. imagine a human being yeah. after four or five days it's just a bit of I know it sounds bad even though he's disposing of everything even if it's a bit of matter or yeah, blood, blood or something anything. go get yeah. somewhere yeah. it's going to start smelling It'll isn't it yeah Stinks, yeah, exactly. So awful. Yeah, you can imagine how much like the smell of it must yeah. just be atrocious. Yeah. This was March though, so it's probably still cold. So maybe that may have helped a bit, but God knows. I don't know. And then um, in September 1988, he moves into a one-bedroom flat in mm-hmm. Milwaukee, in quite a sort of like a poor area of the town. Yeah. Um, and he starts working at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. So now he's sort of like, he's got his freedom he's, really, hasn't he? Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. I think he's not, because he's no intention of working, but he's working, so he's just got this apartment so he can get on with his own devices. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, because his grand's starting to quest, asking yeah. questions that he can't answer. Yeah. He knows sooner or later she's going to get suspicious and find something. Jesus Christ. I mean, you know how shit men are yeah. clearing up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's banned to have left a few smudges. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry. Now I'm going to jump in. We're in March, the 25th of March, 1989. And there's this Anthony Sears, and he was a 26-year-old bisexual guy. He had a girlfriend, and he worked as a waiter. And he met Jeffrey at La Cage, a gay bar. So the, he's at this gay bar. He's met him. And they're having a good night, and at the end of the night, a friend of him says, drove him, Dharma, and another friend. And he's, a, I'm guessing he's like the designated driver, you know, mm. not drinking. What, so there's a group of them in the they're, bar, and there's one of them like not yeah. drinking. And he's, he's going to drop, yeah, and he's yeah. going to drop everyone off. Oh, I see. So Sears decides to what, say. What, is Anthony Sears the driver? No, it's oh, his friend. His friend, right. I think his name's Connor. All right. So... Um, sorry, you throw me. Yeah, <laughs> so no. Sears, so Sears, um, Sears and Dharma get out at um, Dharma's granny's house mm. for a quotation mark after party. The two men jump out of the car, and as he's jumping out, he says to Connor, Sears says to Connor, I'll phone you, I've got plans for Easter, yada, 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 I'll phone you tomorrow. Did they drop, did they get dropped at the granny's house? So the oh, this is weird. Why weren't oh weird? I know, I know. The timelines. That's what I was saying to you earlier. They just jump out of quite a lot. No, I'm thinking. You know, if the last like obviously Anthony Sears went missing on mm-hmm. that on that night, the last place he was seen was there. So why the fuck did the police not go around there and find and search the house and find his dead body? I know. It's just it's so ridiculous. Uh, the amount of the amount of times. Yeah. yeah, he gets called for silly things as well. It winds yeah. me up. Enrages me. But if that was, if Anthony Sears had been a young woman, the mm-hmm. last time she'd have been seen was going mm-hmm. into some strange man's house. Yeah. Wouldn't the police have gone round there and yep. examined the house and exactly. fucking found her and arrested Exactly. Him? I mean, oh, it's just. I know. Why Bad, you up it? when you read back and just see all of the mistakes? Yeah. And mistakes? Yeah. Mm. We always find this in gay cases, especially though, because they sweep it under the carpet. They don't want to know. There's not as much interest in that time. Mm. And it's so unfortunate. They just seem to be so complacent. Yeah, they'll just with gay crime. They are any any old excuse mm-hmm. for any old thing, and just let it's like 
it's sort of like I'll let that community just get on and deal with it. Yeah, get over it. Yeah. Mm So, um, yeah, they're at the granny's house and they have uh, sex. They do. They have consensual sex. Mm. And after, Jeffrey gives Anthony a drink and it was laced with sleeping pills. Mm. So he's knocked him out. So once asleep, Dharma's now killed Sears and dismembered his body. And he mummifies his head and penis and leaves it in a wooden box. Now, this wooden box, he takes to work, Kaz, and leaves it in his fucking work locker. It's really escalating, isn't it? It really the, the is. Ritual, the ritual side of yeah. killings is really escalating. Yeah. And he disposes of the rest of the body. He eventually boils Anthony's head to remove the flesh for it. And he keeps the skull as a souvenir like he did in the previous one. Mm. But this time he knows that he can't do too much, like keep boiling it or whatever he's doing, he can't. Oh, so he knows because it will yeah. get brittle. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't. He's so he leaves it. His, he's yeah. refining his methods. And he leaves it in this black like, cabinet thing. Mm. And he's quite proud of it. Mm. But he leaves it there because he knows he's can't, he can't keep boiling it or bleaching it. Whatever he's doing to mm. it. Because it will start to dis- disintegrate. Yeah. So Dharma has sneered that Anthony's remains was in the black cabinet while he was serving time for sexual assault. Mm. So... um. This is where, sorry, this is where I've got up to. Mm. So his grandmother, as you said, was getting the ump with him bringing men home. Yeah. Um, and he was, uh, he found this apartment and he was arrested day, within days after moving out for sexual assault on a boy of 13. The boy managed to escape and he ran to the police and just spilled his guts out to the police that he's been sexually assaulted by Dharma. Dharma then spent a year in jail before being released on bail. He was sentenced to 12 months in jail and five years probation for second-degree sexual assault. So there, they they should fucking know about him. That's what I'm just saying. Mm. And he was permitted to work, go on a work release case. How convenient. Mm. So he, in order to keep his job as a mixer in an Abruzzia chocolate factory. Now, am, am I being by naive? That ain't a high-flying job that he needs to keep, is it not? No, it's not. But that's the reason they give him work release, so mm. he can keep his job doing that. So I'm sure they can find another mixer. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, so his one-year prison term was sort of like half prison, half going out yeah. to work. Yeah. It kept him It kept him off the streets, though, for a year, because there, yeah. no, there was a whole year um, There yeah. was a whole year where he didn't kill anybody. No. So that, obviously, he's, on, he's being watched closely, mm-hmm. I suppose, as well, under so, those circumstances. Yeah. So he had to sign a sex offenders register and then he rented another apartment after being released, a 924 North 25th Street, Milwaukee. Mm. So that's, I think, the famous apartment, infamous apartment. Infamous apartment, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the apartment. The apartment. Jeez. So over to you, Kaz. Well, yeah, the the little boy, the 13-year-old, was his name was Keeson Synthesomphone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, same memo. He'd been offered like a few quid just to take some photographs, and like you say, yeah, he escaped and yeah testified, arrested for assault against a minor. So yeah, he's well on the police radar mm-hmm. at this point as a sex offender, as a dangerous person. Yeah, which makes what's coming up even more hard to swallow, really. So, yeah, we're up to a Ray Smith, or also known as a Ricky Beak. So, this is about just a year and two months I've after got main... he was, like, sentenced. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
May 1990 I've got, so yeah, mm. literally a year. Yeah. He was a sex worker. He was 32 years old. And Jeffrey acted as a client. So I tried to, not bribe him, but, you know, say, like, I'm, oh. I want a bit of business. Yeah. So that's how he's got him to lure him back to his apartment. Mm. And while there, after having sex, he's giving him a sleeping pill in a drink. Once knocked out, he then strangled him. And then, I don't like this bit, but he took photos of him in a sexually suggestive way. Mm-hmm. So that is awful, I think. Doing that to a dead body, especially. But he's done it for the gratification, is he? He's done it for the souvenir. Yeah. Um, so he dismembers him. And then guess what he does? He boils his head, placing the skull next to Anthony Sears' skull in mm. the black cabinet. And he's quite happy with himself. He's got two little souvenirs mm. now, plus photographs. Yeah. Yeah. No bag. So, yeah, he's, const- <laughs> he's constantly refining his methods, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, he said he spray-painted the skull as well. Oh, weirdo. Yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, when I was reading all this stuff, I was thinking, like, when I went to Mexico, mm. there's loads of skulls. Everything's got skulls on out there. <laughs> and I've got a little skull in my living room. But no one would ever imagine that it was a human skull because it's too small. But what if I'd have bought, like, a big one? Yeah. Um, is that... I was wondering if that's what it looked like. Like, if he spray-painted it to look a bit like a Day of the Dead a decor- skull. decorative. Def- yeah, decorative. Mm-hmm. So then he could keep it in plain sight and no one would be any no wiser. Would, no. They would just think it was an ornament. That's true. That's what I was thinking when I, said, when I read that, that he spray-painted it. It just yeah. made me think maybe in that... in that He was sort of disguising it in plain sight. He could might have glittered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Something, yeah. Um, about a week after this, he brought another man back. Mm-hmm. This fella, I don't know who, what his name was or whether he came forwards, but he um, he had a fucking lucky escape because um, he accidentally, Jeffrey Dahmer accidentally drank the wrong drugged drink. Shut Drugged up. himself. Shame. <laughs> yeah, and when he woke up, um, he'd been robbed. Oh. Yeah, and he actually, uh, Dahmer actually went to the cops and reported it. Oh, what a piss take. <laughs> Yes. I've got heads in my, um, I've got skulls in my cabinet, my black cabinet, but yeah. I have been robbed. I have been robbed, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Can you believe it? The man I was going the to cheek. like strangle and kill. Has um, robbed me. Has robbed me, yeah. What a cheek. Because <laughs> I accidentally drugged myself. Like oh. The fucking idiot I am. Piss take. Absolute piss take. So yeah, the, uh, the police, at this point, they still don't realise there's a serial killer out there. Yeah. Because most of his victims are sex workers. Most of them are gay or they're ethnic minorities mm-hmm. so again they're not taken as seriously by the police there's mm-hmm. like you mentioned there's quite a lot of police prejudice around those uh, communities yeah like i said if there's been a young woman oh like, yeah, yeah if young women were going missing mm-hmm. off the streets at this rate mm-hmm. there would you know yeah. there would be a hoo-ha about it yeah. but at this point they, they're not even linking no. these disappearances they're not even looking into them um, here we are, so June 1990, this is only about a week or so after Fucking he gets hell. robbed. He meets 27-year-old Edward Smith in a bar. Yeah. Again, same MO, he offers him uh, some money to take some pictures of him. They have sex when they go back to the flat, mm-hmm. and the same again, he gives him a drink which is laced with sleeping tablets and it drugs him. While he's out cold, he strangles him to death. And then he takes pictures while he's dismembering the body. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, so he's... 
it's like he wants to capture every moment of the whole yeah. process. I, I should imagine every time he does it, he look, maybe he looks back and thinks, oh, I wish I could look back on that point oh, or God. something. It's just every, with every killing, yeah. he adds another element it to it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he d- dissolves the bones of Edward Smith in acid. Oh, the poor fucker. Um, the 2nd of September 1990, he meets 24-year-old Ernest Miller mm-hmm. outside a bookshop. Again, he offers him money to go home with him. Um, they have sex. Then, same again, he drugs him and then he cuts his throat. So, all the others, he strangled Yeah, them. I was thinking that. Yeah, but he, this one was slightly different. He cut, he cut his throat. And he takes Polaroids again during the whole process. Oh. This is another escalation, Lauren. Um, he takes the he removes the heart and the biceps of Ernest Miller, and he puts them in the freezer uh, for later. Uh, he puts the body or in a filing cabinet. He bleaches the skeleton and he paints the skull. Um, and eventually, he cooks and eats part of the heart and the biceps. Oh God! That's the first time that he uh, he's cannibalizes one of his victims. Oh God! Um, in his mind, he's making the person a part of him so that they can never leave him. And he what also he, wants. he also claimed that he used to view the photographs while he was eating the victims. Oh god! It's just so controlling. Yeah, it is the most amount of control. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. So then we get to the twenty fourth yeah. of September, nineteen ninety. Uh, David Thomas was twenty two, and he was a father of one. Oh, he was a dad. Yeah, he met Dharma. Um, They go back to Dharma's place. But Dharma decides then and there that he's not sexually attractive to David. He wasn't feeling it. Oh, okay. But he's already laced the drink with sedatives. Mm -hmm. But he's thinking, what do I do? I've, I've laced it, but I don't find this gratifying in any way. Wow. But this is how much of a coward this man is. Yeah. He was so scared that upon waking, David will attack him mm. and just fuck him up, mm. which I'll fucking wish it had happened, if he decides that he's got to kill him because he don't want to be attacked. Yeah. So he murders him, but this time's different because he disposes of all the remains on purpose because he didn't want to be reminded of David and his failure and that he wasn't sexually attracted to him. What a fucking weirdo. Yeah. I know he's a weirdo, but that's even... Even for a weirdo, that's weird. Weird. It is, isn't it? Why did he take him home if he didn't fancy him? Uh, that's what I... Could, something's clicked in his head as soon yeah. as they've got through that front door and I don't know... He could have said, I'm a father because he's the only father I've come across. Maybe. It Maybe. could have been that thing and it's just switched yeah. something in him. Because like you said, in his early life, yeah. he was very close to his own yeah. dad, wasn't he? Yeah. Maybe that maybe he, that was a turn-off for him. Yeah, he wanted his dad's attention constantly. Maybe that was just something he thought, oh, no, I can't do. He could sexually attracted yeah. to a, a, a dad. man who was a father. Mm. Yeah, maybe. You may be onto something there. Yeah. Something's definitely happened while, while they've been chatting yeah. for him not to like him anymore. No. Wow, eh? No, no. So that's it for another six months. But on the 7th of March 1991, uh, mm-hmm. um, he meets Curtis Strouter at a bus stop. Um, he obviously sex for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, money for sex. And takes him home. Um, he drugs him and has sex with him and strangles him. 
and it's the same process as before. So yeah, yeah. He, um, he by now he's sort of refining the whole process. I should imagine by now he's got that infamous blue barrel mm. with the acid in it. He smashes up the bones and um, yeah, you know. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Trophies. So I just want to say, yeah, putting my fingers in here. Yeah. La, 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 la. <laughs> well, this next fella. That, yeah, um, it's this awful. Is, this is diabolical. Yeah, his name's Errol Lindsay. And he was only 19, Kaz. Mm. And it was a chance meeting with Dharma on the street in April 27th, 1991. So it weren't even that he was going hunting. Oh, who knows with Dharma? He might mm. have been going hunting, but it was just a chance meeting. So Dharma does the same thing as what he does. He takes him back, um, drugs him. But instead of killing him, he sedates him, Kaz. Mm. He drills a hole in his skull. Mm. And then he pours acid into it to try and induce a brain-dead state. Mm. So he would have a sex zombie, basically. So like what you're saying, he's got someone that will stay there. He's trying to make this person brain-dead. So he can just basically sit there and just do as he pleases. But he would never leave him. Yeah. And he could molest, I would say, any way he can. But... Lindsay wakes up after mm. the experiment and he's still with it because he ain't, he's not a brain dead mm. zombie. He's, yeah, he's still with it. So Dharma kills him and the same way he does, he's, he drugs him again and then strangles him to death. Mm. Same way, same thing. But that's getting a bit, nah, he's alive and he's drilling fucking holes in the skull. Again, it's another escalation. It's vile, isn't it? Isn't it? What he's done up to now isn't cutting the mustard for him. He wants more. Yeah. And Errol Lindsay, um, he wasn't even uh, gay, so it's it's vile. hard to know what he was doing there. But maybe it was like you said before. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he said, "I'll pay you." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you take some lovely photos. Mm-hmm. It was probably just that, giving him a drink, and then yeah. that's it. But yeah, um, yeah, Errol. Jeez, oh, yeah, like say, nineteen years old. Nineteen. Oh no. I think as well he um he tried to, he wanted to keep Errol's skin, oh. so um he preserved it in salt water to try and preserve oh, to try and preserve sake. the skin. You read these things and you hear these things, you're like, what? What is? Oh, why would you do that? I know. <laughs> why would you do oh. that? Why would you want to keep somebody's skin? It's so messed up. Um, obviously after after a few weeks it started to become brittle, so he disposed of the skin event as well eventually. You know what? I've just thought of a great job for Dharma in Barma. Dharma the Embalmer? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> well, I think that that would please him. Yeah, probably. He could get to mess with yeah. people who were dead and they're already dead. So they're dead, not, yeah. He's taking anyone's life from them. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like he, he's quite happy, like, you know, touching people yeah and that's what i'm thinking leave him in that funeral home he'll be having the time of his life mm. no one's dying he probably would have been quite happy yeah him, actually yeah Mom, yeah yeah he could do his little fucking weird experiments yeah <laughs> just let him have it have at it yeah true i don't think he would have been allowed to have sex with the corpses though he would have not yeah. been allowed no, he would he have done it done it broken it but who's who's to know listen yeah. True. As long as people ain't no dying. No one's getting harmed, are Yeah. They? Yeah. Be like, why is Jeffrey doing overtime again tonight? Don't ask. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. 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 Ye
grim. Yeah, not nice. All right, so that was uh, April 91. That brings us up to May 91. Mm-hmm. So it's Tony Hughes this time and the poor love. He was a deaf mute mm. and he had known Jeffrey for a few years. They used to write notes to each other. Is that I how just, he communicated, I suppose? Yeah, I think so. I just thought oh, it's awful, isn't it? It's fucking tragic, oh, is what it is. It's horrible. Yeah, and he became Starmer's next week's to him. However, he wasn't dissected. Instead, he was laying just on the bedroom floor when Dharma found his next victim. I think he did try that zombie experiment on him as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, on Tony Hughes. He drugged him with sleeping pills and he drilled a hole in his skull. Oh, for God's sake. He injected the hydrochloric acid and hot water solution mm-hmm. in the hole, but that killed him. Okay. So, yeah, that's how that's how Tony Hughes died. Oh, was God, love During him. that experiment. Um, Tony Hughes, his mum, mm-hmm. said that she didn't agree with the implication that he was a sex worker um, because when he died, he had $400 on him, so he wouldn't have needed like the $50 no. that Dharma said that he'd induced him, him back. No. Yeah. I don't think he was. I think he probably he just was. befriended him. Yeah, I think. As if as, they knew each other, yeah. they probably said, oh, do you want to come back for That's a beer? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's the one thinking it happened. I don't think it was sexual. A lot of this, a lot of the times, I don't think no. it is either, but... Um, like you find his one remaining um, victim, mm-hmm. the one who survived, tells a, a, a similar story to what Dharma says, but mm-hmm. a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's almost like Jeffrey Dharma's trying to make people feel less sympathy for mm-hmm. the people because for his victims by implying that they're all sex workers and that yeah. kind of thing. Because but then they weren't. So a lot of them were just. I told you, he annoying. just wants you to believe. That's what he mixes the stories mm-hmm. up. So you have to be careful because mm-hmm. he wants you to hear certain things. And not others, you know. Mm, yeah, you just think, oh, it was all just, um, it was all, all of them were gay mm. sex workers, but they weren't. Some they of weren't. them were, but they weren't all. No. Um. So, twenty seventh of May, ninety one. So it's only three days after yeah. he's murdered Tony Hughes. And Tony's now laying just on the floor in the bedroom. On the floor in the bedroom. That's true. He is, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He meets fourteen year old Konarak. Uh, Synthesomphone and he offers offers to pay him some money for some nude photographs yeah and um, Konrak agrees and he goes back with him to his apartment Um, I'm not sure he must have been desperate for money because Konrak is the brother of the 13 year old that that, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer assaulted a few years before and got sent to prison for Jesus Christ so um, he, he knew Jeffrey Dahmer. He knew damn well who he was, and he knew exactly yeah. what he was capable of. But yeah. for some reason, he still went back to Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment against his better judgment. I think uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's then obviously done his usual thing, where he's offered him a drink that's laced with sleeping pills. He's sedated mm. him. He's done this experiment again, where he's trying to make him into a zombie, and he's drilled a hole in this poor boy's head and okay. poured the, in the acid solution. He's taken some pictures of him, and then um, Jeffrey Dahmer's gone out to buy some beers. Mm-hmm. During this time, uh, Conorak woke up, and he's like, he's yeah. very disorientated. He's in, obviously in a lot of pain. He's been stripped naked, and he just wraps himself in a bed sheet, and he manages to get out of the flat. Mm-hmm. He makes his way um, down the hall and into the street, and then obviously the neighbours see him, and yeah. they, they immediately call 911. And the 911 call is like, there's a child, he's got no clothes on, he's bleeding, he's very disorientated. 
So um, the police arrive, and as they are just trying to like determine what's going on, Jeffrey Dahmer oh. just strolls back from the off license, um, and they've just taken his word for it. So Jeffrey Dahmer said, "Oh yeah, this is my boyfriend. We've just had a bit of a tiff. He's really drunk." He's just told me to go to the shop and buy some more beer. So I've just popped out and got some beer and he's so drunk, he's just wandering around. He doesn't oh, know what he's no. doing. And the women on the street, they're like, that's a child. That's yeah. not his boyfriend. That, that's yeah. a child. Um, they asked to see some ID, but he says he doesn't have any. But he says, oh, if you come back to the flat, you'll see um, like his clothes are just neatly folded up there and I've got some pictures of us together. And um, so the police, <laughs> this is really unbelievable. So Dharma says that Konarak is his 19-year-old boyfriend. Mm -hmm. They'd had a row, but thank you very much for bringing him home safely. I'll take care of him now. The cops wanted to check inside the flat. So they come inside the flat, look mm. around, don't see the fucking dead body. Exactly. Laying in the bedroom floor. Of Tony He's Hughes laying in the bedroom floor. I mean, it's a one-bedroom flat. It's a joke. How long would it take to look in a fucking one-bedroom flat? It's a joke. But there's so... Com they're just so good. They're just yeah. so in and out. Yeah. Keen just to not get involved. Yeah. And this poor boy, literally, he must have thought, you know, I've managed to get if he can think coherently with a hole in acid mm -hmm. in his brain. I've escaped. Bloody police have took him straight back to the lion's den. And of course, as soon as oh, um, the poor boy, as soon as the police left, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer strangled the poor kid to death. And then he took pictures of him. I've got something different. He tries a second dose of the acid to the brain oh, and really? that kills him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, whatever for why he kills him. He did kill him, yeah. Bastard. The police supposed to be like, looking, out, looking out for the children. I know, and that's what annoys me the most. The mm. women, listen to the women. They can see he's a kid, mm. it? Yeah. And the, annoying? Um, the police, they phone in, they, they're laughing, they're like the intoxicated a Asian naked oh. male was returned to his sober boyfriend. And they're just giggling. That's a joke in itself, it. him being sober. Dharma sober? Never. Well, he's good at acting sober because yeah. he'd been practicing, because he'd he's been getting pissed it. his yeah. whole life. He could drink a lot. Yeah, used apparently. To it. Yeah, exactly. Um, when everything came out about Jeffrey Dharma, those two policemen, they lost their jobs. Good. But they were reinstated after a while. Um, the police department was sued for lots of money as well after the event. But, I mean, really, mm. it's, just, it's just so incompetent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So, um, so yeah, that's that's poor Konarak. That breaks my heart. That whole story absolutely breaks my heart. Poor little sod. Oh no, so sad. 14 years and old. And he was so close to getting help. Yeah, it's so tragic. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So, uh, 30th of June, 91, we've mm-hmm. got Matthew Turner, 20-year-old. Um, again, he meets him at the bus stop after a gay pride parade. Oh. And they get chatting. They go back to Jeffrey Dahmer's flat. And, uh, of course, Jeffrey Dahmer, as usual, just drugs his drink and then strangles Matthew Turner mm-hmm. and dissolves his body in the barrel of acid, but he keeps the head in the freezer. Oh. Bastard. Absolute yeah. bastard. Mm, I wouldn't like to go in that fridge. No, no, and it brings us on to a Jeremiah Weinberger. And he was met, Dharma, July 7th, 91. And basically was given exactly the same treatment as Matt. So he's dissolved in acid in the barrel. And his head joins Matt's in the freezer. Pardon? His head, his head joins Matt's in the freezer. Oh, his head joins Matt's head yeah. in the freezer. I say, yeah. Yeah, I know. Exactly the same. 15th of July, 91. Mm -hmm. He's sacked for poor attendance um, from the chocolate factory, the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. And the same day, he meets Oliver Lacey, um, takes him back to the flat. He drugs him, strangles him, then has sex with his dead body. He puts the head in the fridge and the heart in the freezer to eat later. At this point, the neighbours start to report a bad smell coming from Geoffrey Dahmer's flat. Um... The landlord investigates and he just says that his fish has died. His fish has died? Are you joking? How big is this bloody fish? They Christ must have been complaining up. a long time before that because he's killed a lot of people. Yeah. And, and this is in the summer as well, Lauren, so yeah, I should imagine it's that. It's rife, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus Christ. So then we're going to a Joseph Braderhoff. Mm-hmm. The 25-year-old met Dharma at a bus stop, July 22nd, ninety-one. And again, he was offered money to pose for photos. And guess what? He mm. gets drugged after taking a drink from Dharma. And then he's strangled. He's dissolved in acid and his head's put into the freezer with the others. Uh, 22nd of July, 91. Tracy Edwards. He meets Tracy Edwards mm-hmm. um, in a club. Um, this morning I was listening to Tracy Edwards' testimony in court. Yeah. And um, he said that he was with some friends. There was three of them. And mm-hmm. Dharma just joined them and they would just start chatting and stuff. They left the bar and then they were going to um, the liquor store, he said. So mm-hmm. I guess it's like an off-license, that they call it in America. They went to the liquor store to buy some more drinks, all of them. And um, they uh, Jeffrey and Tracy Edwards uh, got out of the car... Uh, Tracy said that J- Jeffrey Dahmer gave uh, said to his friends, mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't know, I think they were going to another bar and then they were going to intending to come back to Jeffrey Dahmer's. All four of them were going to hook up and party a bit longer. 
they weren't friends, but they, he said they were on nodding acquaintances. Yeah. They'd seen each other around. Uh, Tracy Edwards isn't gay, but he had some friends in that. I mean, he must have had yeah. some friends in that bar. And um, Dharma had said to him, w- w- would you be interested in earning some money, like $100? I'll take some photographs of you. So Tracy said to his friends, look, I might do it. I'm going to go back to his apartment. I may or may not get the photos yeah. done. I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll join you later. Jeffrey Dahmer's then gone back. They've got, I think they've got a cab to Jeffrey Dahmer's flat, which is a different address to what he told his friends. Jesus. So he's like, that's weird. But anyway, didn't really think anything of no. it. They've gone into Jeffrey Dahmer's flat through um, like the back, mm-hmm. like the back uh, alleyways kind yeah. of thing. Again, sort of like, he's kind of like, he doesn't want anyone to see anyone coming into no. his flat. He's trying to hide it. Anyway, so they get back to the flat. As soon as Tracy walks into the flat, he's like, it's, Stinks in here. Oh, oh no. my goodness, it's really disgusting. I don't really want to stay. He said they have like, like they have a drink, they have a couple of drinks, but yeah. he doesn't. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer makes him a, I think it's a whiskey and coke, but he said he don't really drink liquor, so he didn't. He had a couple of sips. He didn't really like the taste of it. So yeah, thank God he didn't. Um, they get chatting, and all of a sudden, Dharma. Oh, Dharma says, "Oh, do you want to have a look at my fish?" So they bend down to look at the fish. Oh no! Jeffrey Dahmer whacks handcuff a handcuff on <gasps> his arm on one arm pulls this massive knife out. It's like a machete. It's a huge knife and he holds it just under his ribcage. Um, and Tracy's... He's losing the plot in his arm, eh? But this is probably... This could be how he does it yeah. all the time, but this is the only live the person to can. explain. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, so Tracy Edwards immediately is trying to befriend him. He's, he sounds like a really bright person. Yeah. He's like, he says, oh, come on, man, there's no need for that. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry. You don't need to do this. Moebag. And um and and Jeffrey and he says, Oh come on, take this handcuff off and yeah. where's where's the uh, key? Dharma says, Oh, it's in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So they go into the bedroom and um then he says, Oh, should we watch a film? So they put an Exorcist the Exorcist three. Right. Start watching the film and he says Dharma sort of goes from one minute, he seems like the normal sort of guy that he was in the bar, and then they're just t- talking and communicating. Yeah. And then the next minute, he turns into this guy who's pulled the knife on him, and he's really aggressive, and he just seems to change between these two people. One minute, personality he's... disorder, that isn't it? Oh, God knows what it is, but yeah, he—that's what—that's how flips. Tracy Edwards is describing wow. in court. Um, he said that um, he, Jeffrey Dahmer, told him to lay face down on the floor mm-hmm. and put his hands behind his back. And he said, um, he said something told me I really shouldn't do that. So he just didn't. He just said to Jeffrey, look, it's fine. You don't need to do You can trust me. You yeah. know, I'm your friend. Come on, do you yeah. want to talk? You've you know, something going on. He felt, obviously, that he was in danger, but mm-hmm. he didn't feel that he was in mortal danger, I don't think. Okay. He, he felt that Jeffrey had problems, he mm-hmm. disturbed kind of thing. Um, he then said that he went to use the bathroom but Jeffrey Dahmer did come with him, but he didn't try to interfere with him or anything. Yeah. Like he was going to the toilet. Just watching him. He, yeah, he had him by the handcuff. Oh. So I suppose he had one hanging off the wrist and he had yeah. him by that, but he had the knife on him as well, so he didn't do anything. Um, they went back to the bedroom and laid down and Jeffrey Dahmer rested his head against Trace Edwards' chest and was listening to his heartbeat. And he said, <laughs> I've got it went down, he said something really horrible. He whispered, I'm going to eat your heart. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, 
So at that point, Tracy Edwards knew he was in mortal danger. Fucking hell. Um, so he, yeah, he just, he, he said he's constantly just trying to talk him down, just trying to... Um, talk him off that ledge. Yeah, yeah, just trying to talk him down, just trying to convince him yeah. he was his buddy, he wasn't going to leave him. He's like, because yeah. Jeffy Dumb's like, I, I just don't want you to leave, you're not going to go anywhere. He's like, it's fine, man, it's fine, we'll have another beer. Yeah. Let's just watch the rest of the film. Yeah. Saying anything he can, just to, just basically to save his own life. Um, After a little while, he says to Jeffrey Dahmer I just need to, uh, to go to the toilet again mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Dahmer lets him go to the bathroom on his own this time mm-hmm. he waits outside the door and Tracy said he was saying to himself he said, in court he was said he was asking God should I wait or should I take this opportunity now hell. so he came out of the bathroom like all guns blazing and he just clumped Jeffrey Dahmer <gasps> like wrestled Jesus. had a bit of an altercation with yeah. him with him and he managed to get out of the flat and he said Jeffrey Dunn was chasing him trying to pull him back into the flat it's fucking terrifying, terrifying isn't it yeah. he was trying to pull him back into the flat but he managed to get away oh my god go out on the street flagged down the cops thank god there was some policemen around yeah he took the police back to Jeffrey Dunn's apartment he said obviously like yeah. the, the guy has pulled a knife on me I've still got half yeah. a handcuff on you've got to come and help yeah they've gone into his apartment and they've found, like, the drawer is open in the bedroom mm. and they've found all the Polaroids that he's taken of oh all of the God. previous men that he's killed. And at that point, they Talk about gone. fucking eye-opening. Not eye-opening, but yeah. something... It had to be pushed right up in their face mm. for them to take notice, sit up and take notice. Yeah, I mean, what about the like the police that, that went into the flat um, when Konarak exactly. was there? Surely they must have smelt the dead bodies. Yeah. As, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, there must have been so many red flags that which they chose to ignore. So, yeah, at that point, they've gone cuff him. They've run and they've cuffed him. And Jeffrey Darmar said he knew at that point there was no point trying to run or to lie or to anything. He said, I just thought, that's it, numbers up. I'm just going to be as honest and open as I can. Um, when they checked through the flat, finally mm-hmm. bothered to check the flat, um, they found four heads in the freezer. Uh, they found severed hands, severed penises and oh. all in all there were 11 different people's remains in the flat 11 11 people different parts, parts. of bodies yeah <sighs> yes yeah, so that was on the 22nd of july 91 he was finally stopped My after God. after all those uh, murders he um he entered a, bil- a guilty plea and he was found to be sane because i think really was, yeah i think he was trying to claim diminished responsibility um, so I think that's why there was a trial. Because I was thinking, if he pleaded guilty, why was there a trial? But I think that's why. So, um, yes, in on the 17th of February, 92, he was found guilty and was sentenced to 15 consecutive life terms. Wow. Um, wow. He said he had to drink very heavily to commit these acts, but I don't know about that, no. to be honest. He didn't seem like um, Tracy Edwards, the only surviving victim said he wasn't drunk when mm. he was trying to kill him so who knows but um considering he was drunk most of his life right yeah he was a very heavy drinker he lost a lot of jobs yeah through drinking exactly yeah his whole life was sort of ruined by alcoholism so yeah he he was um serving prison time at a columbia correctional institute yeah institution in wisconsin um, he served well. Twenty eighth of November ninety four. Yeah, he was murdered in prison. 
he was um, cleaning the staff bathroom with Jesse Anderson, which was another inmate, and Christopher Scarva. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher Scarva was a 25-year-old um, man who had been in prison since 19. Yeah. Right, and I thought, oh, I'll look into him a little bit because I just wondered, like, what sort of a man would do that. Yeah. And um, he said that he felt that he needed to avenge the... Um, Victims, because as a fellow black man, he and obviously most of the victims were mm-hmm. black. Um, he felt that he he felt that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't sorry for what he'd done, and he wanted to try and avenge them. I he don't felt think he was being, sorry. Yeah, he felt he was winding him up <laughs> quite a lot, so he did that. But I looked into Christopher Scarva, mm. and he um, again he had problems with alcohol and stuff, and oh, he really? he was a high school dropout. But when he, I think when he was about eighteen years old, he got on some kind of a program oh. where I think he was gonna. He was like getting trained in as an apprentice. It sounded like a bit like an apprenticeship scheme. Yeah, he was trying getting trained in a trade. And at the age of nineteen, um, his like the foreman, his manager left the job, mm-hmm. and a new manager came in. Sounds like there was some conflict there because one day he went in, he was trying to get the money that he felt he was owed for the job. Oh, really? And the um, the new manager who had uh-huh. taken over just paid him like a minimal amount. It was a tiny little bit of money. And Christopher Scarver has pulled out a gun and fucking shot him and killed him. Oh. And and then he's been sentenced, sentenced. You know, to jail for the rest of his life. At 19. 19 years old. And you look old. at the picture of him. He's a, he's a lovely looking young 19 year old with all of his life in front of him. But... Again, someone's fucking put a gun in his gun, hand. Yeah. And that's what's happened. It's, it's such it's a fucking America, isn't it? It's such a, it's such a waste. What it a waste is. of a life. It, it is. He could have... If he'd have been in the same situation in the UK... Yeah. The worst he could have done was probably clout the fella around the head with his hand. Yeah. Or maybe give him a kick. I mean, jeez. Oh, it just made me heartbroken just to read his story as well. Yeah, now, it's awful. He's just known as the murderer of um, Dharma. Jeffrey Dharma. Mm. Yeah, he did also. That. I think he killed Jesse Anderson as well. He killed both. Of them. Oh, really? Mm. Good boy. He did. He killed both of them. Bludgeoned with um, a bar, twenty a twenty inch metal bar that they he'd taken from the prison gymnasium. Oh wow! Mm. Wow! What a life! Yeah, yeah, it was. But it's a shame as well. Um, like Tracy Edwards, I was listening to his whole, like um, in America, I think they film all the trials, mm-hmm. so you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah. And he was very articulate. He was answering uh, questions very, very well, very clearly. Yeah. You know, if anyone thought he was some like drunk, mm-hmm. druggy person who couldn't remember anything, he wasn't. he wasn't. No, he said he only had a few sips of his beer. He didn't. He wasn't really drinking that night. I think they met Jeffrey Dahmer at like six PM, so it wasn't like it was really late in the night or anything. He's like that. proof that like some of them wasn't sex workers, some of them wasn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Out for cash. Yeah, because he said he's not homosexual. Yeah. He never has been, and he the whole time before he pulled the knife on him, he was umming and ahhing about whether to get the photos taken. Yeah, he, he wasn't really that way inclined. He didn't feel comfortable about yeah. it. But he, he he said he was quite strapped for cash, and he was yeah. seriously considering, you know, getting some photos done for a hundred dollars. Wow. And that was all. That was it. I mean, you don't. I suppose like you get chatting to somebody. They offer you. Do you want to come back for a couple of drinks? Yeah. Take some photos. Personally, I wouldn't go for it. No. But if you're a bloke, you probably think you can handle yourself. Yeah. Don't you? you don't think someone's you got going a bit to more oofsh about you, ain't you? Yeah, of course. I know Jeffrey Dahmer was tall. I think he was at least six feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, these are all fit young men. Yeah. Who probably believe they can handle themselves. Yeah. 
Hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, he and he came across so shy as well. When you listen to him on his interview, he's so shy and unassuming. You wouldn't think he had a violent bone in his body. Really? Maybe it's the glasses as well. Yeah, Although he has got them serial killer glasses. He has got my serial yeah, killer. Yeah, that you've got. Yeah, I copied him. And Dennis Nilsson had them glasses as well. Yes, he did. Mm, I was watching that um, Netflix thing last night. Yes, and I was he like, did. Dennis Nilsson's got them glasses. Yep, you're right. How weird. I know. Very similar crimes as well. They are very similar. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So that, my friend, was the case of um, Jer- Jeffrey. I he said Jeremy for some reason. Jeffrey the Barmer. Jeffrey the Embalmer Dharma. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you done it. Yeah. So. Um, oh, God. What a case, Kaz. Yeah, it's it's sickening. It is. It's, it's absolutely diabolical. It's like a film script, this one. Absolutely. It is, isn't it? You couldn't make it up, some no. of the stuff. I mean, this happened in 91, so you would have been five, so you could probably don't remember this. I don't this. remember it, but I know of him, obviously, but yeah. it, just makes me, it just makes me feel sick to my stomach. This was such a big case, this made it over here. Yeah. I remember watching this on the news, watching like the um, the stuff coming out of the flat, like all of the, like, yeah. I don't know, the forensic people, yeah. the forensic team taking all the stuff out of the flat and being like the the heads in the fridge that was that's what stuck in my head was the heads in the fridge yeah well you were 16 so you was quite a young impressionable girl you would have remembered yeah yeah exactly sod that that's all over it sod that Mm, yeah I looked a little bit into um, like his he had like he said he had a younger brother yeah David Mm -hmm. Um, I think David has obviously he's like completely washed his hands Mm -hmm. of it he's even changed his name so he doesn't want anything to do with it at all um, Jeffrey's father, Lionel, mm-hmm. he's been on interviews and things like that. He's written a book. Oh, wow. And stuff like that. So he, he hasn't shied away from it at all. And he, I think he's still alive at the moment. Joyce, his mum, she died of breast cancer about oh. age 61, I think. And she, uh, she was eating up with guilt. She just couldn't deal with it. She honestly thought she'd done something wrong. Yeah. to make him that way Harry was yeah she was really but she had her oh, own mental health issues yeah. she tried to kill herself as yeah. well after he'd um, after he was caught she tried to kill herself the guy southern um, so yeah she couldn't I think each family member has dealt with it in their own different yeah. way obviously his dad Lionel has faced it head on the brothers the brothers completely disowned yeah. the whole family by sounds of it and Joyce <gasps> wanted to end her own life my god yeah. what a predicament not a place to be in. Yeah, I know it was. Um, yeah. That's the problem. It ain't just the person who does that that suffers. It's the family of mm. not just the victims, but yeah. of the person as well, because they must mourn that person who mm. they thought he was. Yeah, like, I always think of serial killers with kids. Yeah, because them kids, that's still their dad. That is still someone, mm. and nine times out of ten, they're like completely different around their children to what they are. Mm. when they're doing these crimes. And Israel Keyes had a child, didn't they? Yeah, and to mourn, like, they must mourn that person that they thought they knew. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, well, at least Jeffrey Dahmer didn't have any uh, have any children, so no. there's no problem there. But um, what do you think? Do you think this is a case of nature versus nurture? <laughs> I don't think he was made into a killer. I think maybe them drugs might have done it. What, what she when she was pregnant taking yeah. yeah and that had surgery as a four-year-old apparently he was a healthy bouncy boy wasn't he until, until he was, we had that surgery yeah. i've never heard of hernia in your head no i haven't and he was sexually abused he says mm. by a neighbor around that time as well 
I don't know. I think it's... Excuse me. I think it is a bit of both. I think... That having all that done, he was born that way, having that done. But like the stuff with the bones and all that, I think he was shown much too young, certain things. Mm. Yeah, maybe. And I think he was he was quite not abandoned, I wouldn't say abandoned, but for a teacher to pick up on early abandonment mm. characteristics in him at such a young age it yeah. was there. Maybe he was emotionally neglected, yeah. but that don't and make that's you why, behave like that. Well, that's why he didn't want him to leave him. That's what yeah. I kept getting through that all. That's why he didn't want to be by himself. Yeah, he said he didn't want him to leave him. Yeah, that's like a young kid. Think, picture mm. it, a young kid that didn't want... Mm. But then why with... did he kill so many of them? I, I mean, know, I that know. doesn't account for that. And he said himself, he um, in that interview, the compulsion was that he couldn't stop. He said there's nothing... Like the interviewer says, do you think if someone had found out and tried to stop you, there would be anything? And he said, nothing on earth would have stopped me. Nah. No. He nah. said the compulsion was far too strong. Fucking hell. Yeah. So um, by his own admission, nothing could have stopped him. He, well, he someone did in the name of... Yeah. What, Tracy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank someone goodness. Someone stopped him, yeah. Yeah, thank goodness Tracy didn't let him get that second handcuff on because he wouldn't have been able to, yeah. to fight his way out of that apartment. No. Nah. So there we have it, folks. Are we going to do our six degrees? Uh, yeah, go on. I haven't done one this week, but I'm willing to... I'm sorry, I'm eager to hear yours. <laughs> well, I was just going to do... I was going to do... I was a bit full. Oh, I'll go down an easy route now, just in case Kez has done oh, it. Oh, yeah. I've done the same series as what's out now, so it's Dharma on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I've gone for Nisi Nash. Who's that? She plays, let me tell you what she plays, but I've reckon her, Glendala Cleveland. I don't she know any plays. of the names in it, to be honest. Perhaps she's not come in here because there's okay. 10 episodes and I'm only four in. So she, um, I've seen her somewhere and I can't put my finger on where I've seen her. She's not the next door neighbour, is she? She might be. I, I haven't seen the series. Oh, I've just right, gone yeah. through cast members. Yeah. So she was in Why We Laugh, a black comedians on black comedy with Sherry Shepherd. And she was in The Beauty Shop, I love The Beauty Shop, with Kevin Bacon. Oh, it's another Kevin Bacon film I haven't seen, The Beauty Shop. It's kind of like, have you seen The Barbershop? Ice Cube. No. Ah, oh, it's a good one. <laughs> well, basically, it's the girl's version of that, I would yeah. say. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so the boys go to the barbershop and the girls go to the, the get their house done. shop, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, right, yeah. Yeah, so while Tom was watching the barbershop, I was watching the beauty shop. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I didn't do one this week. That's all right. I was too right. busy watching Netflix. Like getting it. into it, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Getting right into it. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a great case. It's... It was disgusting, but it's it's a very fascinating. It's place. fascinating, it. and it's just yeah, just untrue. Mm. Absolutely gobsmacking. I think's the word. Yeah, definitely. So, thank you for listening, people. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We sure do. We might as well take this opportunity now to give our Patreon a plug. Hey. We are doing Patreon. We have with a bargain price of just one pound if you want to just support, support the podcast. Us. Only £3 to get lots of additional content, ad-free content, mm-hmm. and uh, shout-outs. Yeah. Oh, we do some polls as well, don't we, yep, over there? Yeah, we do do polls. We're coming on to season three. We're starting prepping for that, so we want some yeah. like, advice on what people want to listen to, so that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. For the bargain price of three quid, less than a pound a week, mm-hmm. you get all that, and we do put out a brand new 
um, Patreon episode every mm-hmm. Wednesday. Yep. So, um, yeah, head over to our Patreon. Um, all the links are on our social media if you want to support the podcast. Yes, please. Or just tell your friends and family. Share our stuff. Give yeah. us some nice reviews. Like and share. Yeah, like and share, as Lauren said. Thank you very <laughs> much. Mic drop. Yeah, thank you. Have a good week, people. See you next time. Bye. Bye.